You're listening to the Lompoc Foursquare Church Podcast. I want to talk to you about, about living large. Um, a few years ago, people came with, up with that statement, you know, you want to go large? Uh, ever been through the drive-thru? And somebody said, you want to go large? That was a statement a few years ago. And we want to talk about living large today. If you get your notes out, I want you to write this down, that faith is living with and acting on large God-given dreams and goals. You see, no one can force you to use your gifts, your talents, your times, your treasure. No, nobody can. The greatest communicator could stand up here with the greatest pitch about how we're to use our gifts for God. Someone could stand up here with a compelling vision, something that pulls at your heartstrings, moves you to tears. But it's still up to you to decide. Are we going to let go? Are we going to hold on? It's still up to you to to look for needs in our community and be able to say, I want to find a need and I want to fill it. I want to make a difference, as people did yesterday, in the lives of veterans, Um, haircuts and and supplies, and encouragement, and clothing, and food, and, and games, and connecting them with resources they may not have. I mean, that's making a difference. That's why we're a part of things like that. And then you think about all the needs in our community, maybe at the school your kids go to, or maybe out at Vandenberg, there's an airman that needs some encouragement. The other day, I, I saw this bus come to town. Um, I see it quite frequently. Actually, it comes here every day. It's not the Clean Air Express. It's a silver and black bus. It comes from the county sheriff's department. It comes from the county jail. And and while I was driving down Ocean Street watching the new Starbucks materialize before our eyes, one of the fastest construction projects I think I've seen in my 31 years in town. It's almost ready. I can smell the the, the Pike's Place brewing now. and I saw this big bus, and, and it, it turned into this, this gated, caged area where individuals got out in orange suits. They're all going before a judge. And I thought about them, and I actually, in my mind, rewinded the tape of their life. They were babies once. They were crawling. They were toddlers taking their first step. Some mom, some dad, some grandma... Some guardian was saying, look, they're, they're walking, and they, they no doubt were playing with toys at one time. Maybe they took a, a sheet or two and made a fort out of it over the chair. <laughs> Maybe they played in the mud. I doubt that any of them said, when I grow up, I want to wear an orange suit and go stand in front of a judge. Something happened to them along the way where their innocence got misplaced, where they embraced that which would cause them to violate the law and allegedly commit crimes. Um, my, my friend, uh, I don't see him over here this morning, but many of you know Dave Gowden. Dave Gowden is a little bit older than I, and uh, he has severe cerebral palsy. And the other day, uh, Darren and I went to just go spend some time with Dave, and Dave said these words. He said, he calls me boss. I don't know why he calls me boss. He calls Jesus Big J. He has a Big J hat that he wears. 
And he gets around on his little electric scooter, and Dave said to me, hey, boss, do you remember about 25 years ago you preached a series of sermons? I said, uh, yeah, I know which one. He said it was called, What You Gonna Do With What You Got? And he goes, as I get older and my ability physically gets less and less, I, I'm asking the Lord to help me use what, you, what I got for him. And I feel like physically I can do less and less for him. And it was almost this, this, this emotional groaning from his soul that said, I, I wish I could do more. And uh, after we left, we prayed with him and had a few laughs. And, and after we left, we came back and just got involved in the routine of, of church life and the office and calls and demands and need and ministry and everything else. But I, but I, heard, I heard the Lord whisper to me, hey, Bernie, what are you going to do with what you got? And I said, hey, Lord, you know, I'm, let's say I'm a pastor, I'm a chaplain, an honorary commander, I'm on a board of trustees for a college, and I've got a cohort that I lead with nine pastors in it. I've got a staff to run, a church to run. I've got a family. I've got a wife. I've got an adult daughter with special needs. I've got grandkids, the finest grandkids in the world, and, and there's soccer games to go to, and, you know. And it was like the Lord said, yeah, you, you do all that stuff, and, and you're like a lot of my kids. <laughs> I said, Really? Yeah, you, you guys get comfortable in a spot. Even though you do something, it becomes your, your safety net. This is what I do. Or, or I teach kids, and, and I've taught them a long time. This is what I do. Or, or, or you know, I, I, I play the drums, or I sing, or I usher, or I greet, or, or I feed people. Or, and, and, and we all stretch to get where we are, but then we can stop stretching. And so I, I heard the Lord whisper to me about some things that I need to do with my life because I want to be a lifelong learner. I want to be stretched for all my life. I don't want to just say, I gave it the office, you know, or I gave somewhere else. So you see, life is about giving God a great return on his investment in my life. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to go to Matthew 25 today. And I wanted to use a very, very, very familiar story. And hopefully it will inspire you and it will challenge you like it did in the first service. It was the best sermon they ever heard, they said, in the first service. So <laughs> no telling what will happen here. But in Matthew 25, very familiar story, Jesus tells. For it will be as, a, as when a man was going on a journey called his servants and entrusted them with his property, with what was his. Now, they didn't earn this. This is not what they, they worked for. This is not their, their, their paycheck once a week or every other week. This, he gives them his property. And to one he gives five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Uh, that word could also be their competencies and their capacities. He knew exactly what each one had as far as their competence and their capacity. And then he leaves. He would receive five talents, went at once, and traded them. And the five became ten. The other had two. And he made those two into two more. Two becomes four. And the third one digs a hole. That's his work. That's what he does. And he takes what he has, and he hides the master's money. 
Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. He who had five said, hey, I've got five more, master. And then he says to him, would you read these words? Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little, and I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I made two more. And he said the same thing, well done. And he who also had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I have an explanation. I have an excuse. I heard that you were a difficult man, that you were hard, that you reaped where you did not sow, and gathering where you did not winnow. So I was, I was afraid. Fear had gripped him. So I went and I hid your talent in the ground because I thought, after all, if I risk it and try to multiply it and I lose it, that, that you may... Be harsh with me, because after all, you're a harsh guy. And the master said to him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sowed and gather where I have not winnowed. Now, that's a question. He's basically asking him this. How did you know that? Where did you discern and perceive that that's the way I am? Because, folks, in this parable, there's nowhere that Jesus said there was a master who was a hard master, who ripped people off, who, who was harsh with his servants. It doesn't say that. But what it does tell us is the third servant perceives something about the master that was incorrect, and therefore it determined the way that that servant lived out his life. For to everyone who has will more be given, he will be given in abundance, but for him who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And the first thing I want to talk about is giving large. You can just write down that word giving if you would. That we are giving large. It's, it's Dave's statement. What, what, what you going to do with what you got? Years ago, my youth pastor preached a sermon. I was 15 years old and I'd been saved for a year and my youth pastor got up to preach on a Sunday morning. All the youth sat in the front two rows for two reasons, respect for our youth pastor, and also we knew the guy was a little edgy. And we thought in this pretty traditional church that, that, that he might let a few, a few bombs fly in the crowd. We were actually there to see the fireworks. Just thought I'd confess this to you. And my friend Daryl on one side who happens to be our insurance broker today for our property insurance, and my other friend Gary, who I lost track of, we're sitting there going, at any moment, something's going to happen, and it did. Our youth pastor got up and he said, you know, <clears throat> some of you people have been here a long time. You're like spiritual walruses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a spiritual walrus? Yeah, he said, you know what walruses do? They, 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 they waddle in. And they make noise, and they, and they want more fish. And he said, there's some of you here in this church that, that you've been walruses for God. He keeps feeding you, and you keep getting larger. I thought, whoa, man. Note to self, when you become a pastor, never tell your church they're a spiritual walrus. I have never said that. 
And I'm not saying that today. I'm just quoting my youth pastor who afterwards had a separate meeting with the elders, the council, and the pastor. We went to congratulate him on this sermon. We couldn't find the dude. He was sequestered in an office somewhere. And so we all sat in the parking lot and waited to see him, and he walked out. He was white as a ghost. And he walked to his car and drove off into the sunset. Now, none of you are spiritual walruses. Come on. Isn't that silly? But I, I will tell you, and I'm going to use this simple illustration I've used myriads of times. Last Sunday night in our small group doing church as a team, uh, Wayne Cadero did this on video. And, and he, took, he took some water and he, and he took a sponge and he put the sponge in the water and, and, and he said, if you want God to fill you, see right now this sponge is totally saturated. It cannot hold any more water. That's why it's dripping. He said, there are people that come to God all the time. Lord, fill me. Fill my cup, Lord. Do you remember that old song? I mean, you've got to be really old like me or older. Fill my cup, Lord. I, let's all sing. I lift it. No, you don't. <laughs> yeah, I lift it up, Lord. Come and quench the thirsting of my soul. Bread of heaven, fill me till I want no more. Fill my cup, Lord. Fill it up and make me whole. I, I remember singing that song. I didn't understand it until I really started serving and giving myself away that I needed God to replenish what I had given away. And so Wayne says, well, you know, people want to be filled. Fill me up, Lord. But, the, but they're already saturated. They can't hold anymore. But the simple illustration is when you wring yourself out, when you give yourself away, when you pray for people, when you love people who are unlovely, when you serve, when you, when you join us on the street for the block party or the post-game party or, 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 you, or you feed the under-resourced in our community like our team does so well on Monday nights or you, or you make a difference in a school where your kids go or, or you're part of a literacy program or, or something that makes a difference. You're giving yourself away. Then you, you, be, you become dry. And you go to the Lord, you say, Lord, would you, would you fill me again and again? And God says, I delight in that. I, I, I want to. It's, it's like you're the, you're the servant who's using your five talents, turning them into ten, or your two talents, turning them into four. And, but you're not like the one who buried the one that he had. You're, you're not doing that at all. You're actually saying, God, I want you to use me. And I want to be depleted for you. And I want you to fill me up so I can make a difference, so I can use what I have. Many people believe that the, the, the money that they were given was, was equivalent to about $1,000. So the one guy gets five grand and he turns it into 10, and one gets two grand and he turns it into four, and one gets $1,000 and he turns it back. It's dirty. He buried it in the ground. And see, this is not about natural. Ability. This is about a supernatural ability that, that God gives you the gift of your life and your gift of what you do with your life is your gift back to God where you make a difference, where you use what you've been given. And here's a lesson, you can write this down, that when we're faithful with what we have been given, we are trusted with greater responsibility. Lots of people like to be leaders, leadership but the more you climb up the leadership ladder, the more you're given responsibilities that sometimes are beyond your reach or beyond your, your capacity. 
But as you fall into those things or grow into those things, the Lord seemed to somehow miraculously empower you to do what you couldn't do on your own. And in Matthew 25, 21, and 23, uh, this is a paraphrase, his master said to him, well done, good and trustworthy servant. You've been trustworthy in a few things, and because you've acted in faith, because you've acted by my trust and have invested in my purpose, I will put you in charge of many things. I will entrust you with greater responsibilities, and you will be enjoying life and providing your master with joy. And I love that paraphrase because that's really what we want to be doing. We want to take our time, our talents, and our treasures and use them for God in such a way that he smiles. That when we come to him, he says, I want to fill you up because you've been depleting yourself by giving yourselves away time and time again. Remember this lesson in our series that God's multiplication always begins with our subtraction. I think of Moses every time I think of subtraction. God says, uh, Moses, this is a paraphrase, by the way. God says to Moses, Moses, um, what's in your hand? And Moses says, uh, what, Lord? What are you asking me for? No, that what's behind your back, Moses? Oh, this, this, this is a stick. And God says, throw it down. And Moses is reluctant to throw his rod down. But when he throws his rod down, the miraculous takes place. The multiplication takes place. And it becomes a snake. And then we know that Moses grabs it by the tail. And it becomes a rod. And becomes a snake. Becomes a rod. Woo, this is cool. I could do this in Vegas and people would like it. They'd pay money to watch this. But, but what, what happened was, and, and let me summarize the two servants for you. They, they did their work promptly. They did their work with perseverance. They did their work with success. Don't worry, I'll give these to you in a second. And they were ready to give an account to their master. They didn't know when he was coming back, but they were ready because they had already doubled what they had given what they'd been given, they doubled it, and he, they did their work promptly, they did their work with perseverance, they did their work with success, and they were ready to give an account to their master. But what happened to the one? What happened to the one? What happened to the potential that the one had? If the one didn't have potential, they would not have received anything. What happened to the potential of the people who got off the bus in the orange suits. It was a choice. Somewhere along the line, they made a choice. This is what I, I am going to do. In verse 24 and 25, he says, I knew that you were a hard man, so I was afraid. I was afraid. See, some people think that, that, that fear... <laughs> That fear is derived by doubt. But, but I want you to know that, that fear is the opposite of faith. Some people would say, no, 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 Pastor, doubt is the opposite of faith. No, no, no. I think doubt is in your head and fear is in your heart. Because you can be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The Apostle Paul says that. You, you can get enough truth from God's word and enough fact about God and enough experience with God that becomes fact for you and truth for your own life that your thinking changes. And when your thinking changes, then your doubt disappears. 
But fear is the opposite of faith because fear paralyzes us. Fear is a heart-level issue. Fear is a soul-level issue. Fear sees things in the dark that aren't there. Fear hears voices that aren't real. Fear believes the lies of the devil when they come to you. That's what fear is. And fear causes us, number two, to, to live small, living small. And why was this third servant living small? It was because he had a false perception of God. Because really, this story is about God. The master is God. Jesus wants us to understand that we are the servants, that we are given different talents, and it's up to us to please our master, God. And somehow, he had a perception of God that was false. See, if you think God is out to get you, then you're not going to get close to him. If you've been burned by people, if you've loved people in the past and you've been hurt, then you could also transfer that to God and your relationship with God the Father. You could say, I'm not going to lay down my life for him fully. I will always hold something back. Rather than saying, Lord, as we sang this morning, I surrender all to you. I trust you, Lord. You've given me a little, and I'm going to multiply it for your use. I'm going to go and declare the gospel to people the best way I know how. I'm going to serve and make a difference to people that I live with in my home. I'm going to make a difference for my coworkers. Lord God, the most important people in my life, I'm going to make sure I serve them with all that I have. And then, Lord, beyond that circle, I'm going to do everything I can with my life to make a difference. See, the third servant, here's his summary. He didn't think. He didn't think about what the master could do for him or how he could serve the master. And worse, he didn't even work. Well, yes, he did. He dug a hole. And he buried his his talent. He dug a hole. He he built a vault. He put his gifts in there, and he said, here, here's here's my gifts. I'm going to stay in a vault. I'm not going to use what I have for God. Thank you very much. I think this next part is, is, is really sad. He didn't even try. He didn't say, Master, um, I had one talent and, and I invested it and I lost it all. But I, at least I tried. There was no movement. There was paralysis by fear. There was atrophy by fear. And then he made excuses. Remember in this, this message we've said, And in the series, we said, provisionally, I have everything I need to fulfill God's plan and purpose in my life at this very moment. I have everything I need. God will never ask me to to provide something that he hasn't already given to me. And the last thing is there's a fearful reaction. So I was afraid. So I was afraid. So here would be a good question, a challenge. Where, where, Where are you afraid? You're afraid of looking silly, telling somebody you believe in God, or you're looking silly, I, you tell somebody you read the Bible. I, I, where, where are you afraid to pray for somebody, to encourage somebody, to step out, to, to make a difference, to engage deeply with somebody at a relational level that, that maybe, again, you're guarded, and I'm just, I'm just guarded. I don't want anybody to get into my world. I don't want anybody. Everything I do is superficial. Hi, how you doing, brother? I'm fine, brother. Praise the Lord. Yeah, me too. You doing good? I'm doing great. Everything's great. Everything's fine, fine, fine. How are you? Fine, fine, fine. Okay, good. Yep, that's right. I'm okay. That's just superficial. 
Two cats in an alley can do that. Superficial. Right? I saw him back here yesterday, two cats. I'm not going to tell you I have a disdain for cats. Let's go move on. But God's called us to be, to, be, to be partners, to be running partners, to be connected to each other, lift each other up if someone's fallen down. And we, we can bury all that. But, but here's, a, here's a phrase that just haunts me. It's called the lazy spirit. In Matthew 25, 26, his master replied, you, you wicked, lazy servant. I mean, there's, there's three descriptive words, isn't there? You're wicked, you're lazy, and then he says, oh, here's a positive one, servant. I mean, you want to talk about antithesis or juxtaposition, you, you can't be a real servant and be wicked and lazy at the same time. So it's almost like Jesus is saying, I want to tell you that you're a servant, positive, but you're wicked and lazy. And I, I'm not saying that this implies that he was like a walrus. <laughs> Gimme, give gimme, give you know. But he was wicked and lazy. Well, I got to tell you this. I do not want to stand before God someday and have him say, Bernie Fetterman, glad you're here. By the way, I have one thing to say to you. Um, well done, wicked and lazy servant. Oh, my God. Could you imagine that? Ba-ba-da-ba. <laughs> Bernie's here. Some people in the corner going, never thought he'd make it, you know. And to hear wicked and lazy. I don't, do you want to, I don't want to hear that. You were wicked and lazy in how you loved your wife. I don't want to hear that. You were wicked and lazy in how you loved your kids and grandkids, greatest grandkids in the world. You were wicked and lazy how you, how you, how you loved your, your daughter-in-law and her family. You're wicked and lazy how you love this community that I allowed you to pastor in. You're wicked and lazy in how, how you love the church. I mean, I, I talked to a pastor this week and I was telling him about all that we do in the community and his eyes started popping out of his socket. By the way, he has more people than we do and more money than we do and doesn't do one-third of what we do. So in this conversation, he was... Feeling a little wicked and lazy. Yeah, we do this party for the street. We do this party for the high school. And we do, and you're just looking like, whoa, your people must be fried. I said a little bit. But if we didn't let them do this, they would be doing something else somewhere else. Yeah, like our kids, man. If we don't give them places to serve here, they'll find somewhere else to belong. I promise you. If we don't let them use their technology gifts here and their, their acting gifts here, like Max on the video, wasn't he incredible? Wow, and every time his hair kept changing, yeah. He was trying to be like some of you. And anyway, anyway, anyway. Uh, but, but, but the Lord is amazing. He wants to use us. And so we need to have opportunities. I was talking with his pastor. I said, yeah, last year we gave away about 33% of our income. And he just like, what? What? And so we're having conversations now how he can shift his church to be a little more service-oriented. 
So I told him what I was preaching on this Sunday. I said, I don't don't want to be called wicked and lazy. He goes, I doubt the Lord will say that about your church. But he could. See, generosity is not a condition but a choice. I choose to be generous. Remember, givers and takers. Givers have as many legitimate needs as takers. They just determine to be givers. It's a choice. Generosity is not about an amount. It's about an attitude. And generosity is not about fortune. It's about focus. Let's say it again, that God will never ask me to do anything, be anything, give anything that he will not provide. And number three is about serving large. Just serving large. All of you can make an incredible contribution beyond what you're already doing. Sorry. Because that, that's where the stretching comes in. Yeah, but pastor, I'm already doing it. Yeah, that, but ask the Lord what he would want you to do. He's not going to ask you to do anything or be anything or give anything that he will not provide you with. So just ask him, is Lord, is there somewhere that you want me to serve? Is there some talent I have that you want me to double for you so you can receive pleasure, you can receive joy? The third thing is serving large, just large serving. Because of time, let me read this story to you. Her name was Ruth Johnson Colvin. A remarkable story, a remarkable lady. She was a teacher who became concerned that in her hometown of Syracuse, New York, there were over 11,000 people who were functionally illiterate. So she developed some materials and talked to the women in her church to becoming literacy tutors. In 1962, she founded Literacy Volunteers of America in the basement of her house and using an old refrigerator as the filing cabinet, she started this thing and it took off like a rocket. And today, over 100,000 volunteers in 330 programs in 42 states are teaching people how to read. In 2006, Ruth Johnson Colvin was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom by then-President George Bush. And last December, when she turned 100 years of age, she was reflecting on her lifetime of service. And Ruth said, I felt strongly motivated by the parable of the talents in the Bible. That we are responsible for making good use of not only the gifts we have and the talents we have, but the knowledge that God has given us. There are things that we know, she said, that we can share with other people, like how to read. What a gift. There are things that we have learned that are in our heads that we can share with other people. And with the right attitude, she went on to say, you and I can be effective and fruitful disciples of Jesus. And by the way, she was saying that to a secular media who wrote it down in the New York Times. The parable had challenged her life. And it didn't make sense. The cross doesn't make sense. The blood of Jesus on the cross doesn't make sense. The empty tomb doesn't make any sense. That God would would love us and bless us. That God would allow lives even here to be transformed. Like in the next service, when we baptize nine people. I'm so excited about that. And some of them are kids who were taught last week, um, as Melissa Paz taught them about 
baptism and what it means to follow Christ. And I thought, wow, isn't this great? People are getting baptized. See, each one of us has something beautiful to do for God. There's a, a Christian tradition that says each one of us has a song to sing that no one else can sing. Each one of us has a gift to bring that no one else can bring. Each one of us has a talent to share with someone that no one else, that no one else can share with them but, but you and, and me. As we get ready to, to wrap this thing up today, <laughs> I want you to think about this invitation that the Lord has given you and me. First of all, to receive the gift of salvation. And second of all, to, to receive the talents and then to use them for God. To use them for God. Many, many moons ago, as a drummer, I had put all my drums in the closet and didn't really have a place to play. And, and I went to camp, and, and one of the guys up there leading camp uh, was a guitar player. And, and he said, hey, Bernie, why don't you come play before the service? We're just going to jam together. And I hadn't played in almost five years. Didn't really have a place to play. And he said, well, didn't, didn't you play growing up? I said, yeah, I, I, I bang on stuff. So I was trying to, I was a little rusty five years, you know, I, I started playing. And, and he said, I have a word from God for you. I thought, whoa, is God going to send me to Africa or Sri Lanka or, you know? He said, you got, just, just calm down when I say this. He said, Bernie, it's time to come out of the closet. exactly what he said. I go, come on, Ralph. God told you to tell me that. You know, he said, no, your gifts are in the closet. Bring them out. And I still remember the day that in our old building, I brought my drums out and I set them in the center of the platform with a sheet over them. <laughs> People wonder, what's under the sheet? And I preached my sermon first, and we worshiped at the end, and I said, today, I'm going to bring a talent that was rusty. And I put the sheet off and grabbed the boom microphone and led worship from the drums. Kind of an odd thing. And people were like, whoa. You know? And all I could hear was, come out of the closet. <laughs> and at the end of the sermon, I had people come forward. We're... we're we won't do that today unless you're really wanting to and you can go to see the prayer team. But I said, what are you holding on to that you won't give to God? I said, you know, if I played the piano or the guitar, I'd be a little more pastoral. Or if I played the, the trumpet or something, right? But here I am banging on drums. And I said, I'm not afraid to use my gift for God. What about you? And a bunch of people came forward at the end and said, I, I want to use my gifts too. Well, I got nothing under a sheet today. But, but God has something for you. Something for you to do. Someone this week for you to impact for his kingdom. And if you will give away what God has given to you, your time, your talent, and your treasure, you're going to impact someone's life for Jesus. And you're going to give joy to the master. And you're going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. 
Thank you for listening to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. To find out more about Lompoc Foursquare Church or to watch us live online, please visit mylfc.com. Me too.